So now that you're rich, uh, how are we spending the money together? What's the <laughs> what's the plan? What, what 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 spoils have you got in store for me, uh, Eric? The the absolute only plan at the moment <laughs> is uh, global domination for the expansive. <laughs> okay. That's all we that's all we focusing on. All we're talking about. Yes, 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 absolutely. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to this week's pod. The expansive. Every week we are on here helping you and helping ourselves actually become more expansive in our personal and business lives. Always joined by Eric back in Cape Town today. How are you doing there, Eric? Hey, brother. Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you. Sunday morning because now all of a sudden becoming our ritual. You know, we have in our calendars to record this on a Wednesday at 11 o'clock. I don't know the last time we recorded this on 11 o'clock. We keep doing it on the Sunday morning now. So this has become our new ritual, which I think is great because it just gives us a bit of focus. A it's, bit a of time nice to time. Research it. it's a nice time. It is a yeah. nice time. Yeah. So we've had a busy week. Uh, it's been quite an emotional week uh, for most people that I've spoken to. Um, and uh, I had a whole bunch of uh, postponements and cancellations because of a whole bunch of different reasons with events and stuff. How was your week? Yeah, it was good. Um, closed one of my biggest deals in the history of uh, deal making for me. So, Your life. So that's been good. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. So it's been good. Well um, done. Well done. But also, it's, it's quite a bit of a space of thinking for me at the moment. So I'm, I'm enjoying that. Great. Great. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, mm. So now that you're rich, uh, how are we spending the money together? What's the, what's the plan? What, 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 what spoils have you got in store for me, uh, Eric? The, the absolute only plan at the moment <laughs> is uh, global domination for the expense. Okay. That's, that's all we're focusing on, all we're talking about. Yes, yes. Uh, from yes, what absolutely. I can tell, John is just going to spend all my money to make us famous on the podcast. <laughs> Well, at least we're making ourselves famous. That's a very good thing. <laughs> so today we've got a special episode. I always look forward to these. Uh, for the listeners out there, if you don't know, Eric is a leadership and team specialist. Uh, he works with organizations around the world, uh, helping them develop their leaders as well as developing more coherent teams in preparation for what they're doing today and tomorrow. And for the third year running, uh, Eric has brought out a leadership manual I remember the first time he wrote one was in COVID, right, Eric? It was in COVID because I wrote uh, Future mm, Now. Yeah, end of 2020. Yeah, I, I wrote Future Now. You wrote Leadership Manual. Um, and uh, you've now brought out your third one, which has been sponsored by Sasfin, which is a very high-end luxury banking brand in South Africa that looks after very high net worth individuals. And it's a huge honor um, for Sasfin to be partnering. I'm kidding. For Eric to be sponsored by Sasfin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're a really great brand. Uh, Elishiva, who's a very good friend of ours, uh, listens to the pod. Um, I'm not sure if anybody else from the team does. I think they do. But hello from everybody at Resh, Sassman. I think Reshmi also does. That's yeah, yeah. right. So hello, Sassman. Uh, mm. Thank you so much for this uh, sponsorship of my, of my very rich uh, podcast co-host. Um, he really needed it. <laughs> so uh, it's great. And so today we're going to go through this leadership manual. And before we go through the bits and pieces of it, which uh, I just want to tell everybody out there, this is really going to be a helpful uh, pod for you to really understand about leadership, what's coming, and how Eric breaks it down, because this is his speciality. And I, I know one thing about Eric, he's like with a dog on a bone. He doesn't let go of something that he absolutely loves. He's constantly researching it. And so this really goes deep and has got also his nice sort of, uh, his flavor on it, which is also really great because you don't want to have the same old, same old, but it's got some very distinct principles as well as the Eric Kruger flavor, which I'm looking forward to hearing. So give us a brief about the, the leadership manual uh, as a broad theme, and then let's dive into it. Amazing. Thank you for a wonderful intro. I really appreciate that. Um, so 
yeah, the manual was started in, in 2020, um, right towards the end of the year. And it, it was never intended to be a thing that I released to the public, to be honest. When I started thinking about the manual, all I really wanted to do was to sit down and write a bit of a, a love letter in a way to my clients. Um, because, you know, 2020 was the most Jeez. crazy year. I mean, well, like, whenever you kick in the nuts, whenever you stop and think back yeah. to it and you're like, yeah, I remember those days waking up and the highways were all empty. I remember my first time mm. going out of the house to the shopping mall and like how weird it felt on the mm. streets. It was like, it was proper like post-apocalyptic stuff. So you think back yeah. to that time, it was just, it was weird, man. And we got to the end of the year. Mm. I think once the pandemic hit, both of us jumped into the stance that we wanted to support people <laughs> yeah. and we wanted to like, we didn't have an idea what was happening either. We didn't know what was going to be next, but we knew that it didn't help to not be optimistic. Um, that it, we had to remind people of principles like resilience and anti-fragility. And so as we got to the end of the year, I just thought, well, how do I further support my clients? And the leadership manual seemed to be a very natural thing. So I sat down to write a letter to them to say to them, listen, we don't know what 2021 is going to bring, but here are some ideas and principles that irrespectively will serve you well. And as I started writing this letter, it just became bigger and bigger and bigger until eventually it was at like a 20,000 word manual. So I was like, okay, well, this has now become quite a big thing and I'm just going to send it out to everyone. I'm going to open it up. And it was really, really well received. So well received that the next year I wrote another one. Sassman came on board for, for that manual too. The first one was called the, Psych the Year of Psychological Stamina and Constructing Yourself. Um, the second year was The Art of Recalibration. And this year's one is called The Playbook for Peak Le Leadership Performance. Uh, but that's the official title. The unofficial title, which I've been using a lot more, and that's also the title of my keynote, is Masters of Change. So that gives you a bit of a, mm, a run-up to where we are today. Mm. And every year I write the manual, it's really about just helping leaders to narrow their focus a bit, you know, because there are so many things happening in the world around us. There are so many things that we could be paying attention to, mm. but we can't pay attention to all of it at the same time. So hopefully when you go through the manual, it has a very specific way of focusing your attention on some things that I think matter. And that if you can just pull the trigger and close the gap between what you know you should do and what you're actually doing, then uh, it's able to, or it has the capacity to improve your performance uh, improve the outcomes that you are working towards and hopefully help you to achieve the goals that are important to you as well. So I think with that said and done, can I, um, what, I, what I thought we could do for today is the manual is divided into two parts. So the first part speaks about this idea of change and the second part is a bit more practical and is about a sort of a playbook, like the things that you need to do in order to be more successful. Mm. So I thought we won't go into detail on the second part. Let's rather talk about the first part of the manual and then I'll just briefly talk about yeah. the, the latter part. Yeah, I love, I love that uh, ch uh, Masters of Change. And I think that's really the, it's so funny, you know, we, we often speak about similar things, about same things in very different ways, you know. Mm. I, I, I've been talking about thinking about thinking. And it, like it really de like determines everything. It's like, are you thinking yeah. about how you actually think? And that becomes the key in us actually becoming okay with whatever's coming, which is change. And so you're talking about change, but in a very different structure. And I think that's what's really uh, great about our friendship is that we are very 
keen and enthusiastic about the same topics from very different angles, which is mm. just so awesome. So yeah. yes, um, you got four. You got four sections four. in the first section, right? You got like four chapters, eh? Okay. Yeah. So let's so, go through. The so first we'll briefly thing. talk about those, and then I'll pause at each one, and we can have a bit of a discussion about it. Cool. So the first thing to know is that, um, so masters of change. Why masters of change? Well, if you want to fix a weakness, uh, if you want to optimize a skill, if you want to alter certain habits and behaviors, if you want to uh, innovate, transform, disrupt. All of these things require that as a baseline that you are able to change. That is the foundation of all of these different things. And so I, I lay it out in these different permutations above because I want people to understand that irrespective of what you're trying to do, the gap that you are trying to close, where you are trying to get to, who you are trying to become, all of that requires change. <laughs> so we often think that change is just like this big thing that happens to you, but it's actually, it is woven through the fabric of every single thing that you do. And so it really becomes mm. the ultimate skill for us to master. And not just something that we do as the world changes around us, but a skill that we know that we can apply into every situation that we find ourselves in. Most of us have good mm. intentions, but those good intentions mean nothing if we aren't actively converting that into action, into execution, and therefore into the results that we want. So what I wanted to do um, starting out with the session was to say, what are the different mindsets that we then need to apply that's going to help us to change? And so that's the four different chapters that, that you spoke about. And they're just ways of thinking about change uh, that might in some way uh, create a bit of a hook for you that might give you a different lens or filter that makes it easier for you to change. So the very first one is transformation through accretion. Now, we all want the outcomes. We all want the transformation. We all want to uh, skip to the end. But what we realize is that it's all about the process. And if we can focus our minds on the process instead of the outcome, it's a bit of a cliche thing to say, but it, it makes a tremendous difference in how we approach change. And it was really driven home for me last year in spades because I was having many, many conversations with leaders, with teams, and we were talking about the incredible performance they've had for the year. And their biggest anxiety was around this idea that next year they have to replicate it. Next year they have to be able to do the same thing. And when that, when that becomes your focal point, all it can do is create anxiety because all you're worried about is, will I be able to duplicate what I did this year? Will I be able to do the same thing? And the thing that sets you free from that anxiety is to say, it's not about the outcome. It's about the process. It's about what can I do today that's going to help me ultimately achieve that transformation, achieve that outcome. But I'm not, my gaze isn't in the future. My gaze is on what I'm doing today. And so many, many years ago, like 2014, 2015, I wrote about this idea of accretion. And it's funny, like till today, I have people coming up to me saying to me, like, that was the thing that you know, got them hooked to my content or that was the thing that changed their lives for them. And it's not a new concept. It's just a great word to use. So accretion has its uh, origin in astrophysics. I think actually, you know, um, the first keynote that you ever listened to me where you, or that you ever was attended about was about accretion. It was Monte Casino. Monte Casino. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I remember, I remember that. it well. I remember that. It blew me away because um, you also spoke about um, 
the guy from Narcos, the yes. guy who sold cocaine, yes. he uses accretion yes. as well. <laughs> so did Gandhi. I think he used like really good people and really bad people. They all used accretion. It's almost like neutral <laughs> in its in its energy process. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So. So accretion has its origin in astrophysics. And what it says is that, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of playing around with the concept here, but it says that when you look up to space, somewhere there's a piece of rubble or rock floating around. And what's going to happen is over millions and millions of years, there are going to be smaller particles that bump into this rock and stick to it through uh, gravitational pull. And as it gets bigger and bigger, it can pull bigger and bigger things into its orbit. And so over time, it just adds more and more rock. And eventually, the small rock becomes a big rock, becomes a planet. And so when you think of it like that, this process of accumulation, you also realize that we are accumulating every single day. And what we are accumulating is we are accumulating our decisions. We are accumulating our actions and ultimately, it's the accumulation of these actions and accumulation of decisions that will give us the life that we have, the business that we have. So it's not a new concept. We've heard about this idea of compound interest many, many times, for example. But I think the lens of accretion is um, incredibly powerful. And I, I don't know, personally, I really just like the way that the word sounds. So in, in Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, um, he kind of further perpetuates us. He says that, when you look at a so good to great was one of these books where they they looked at the uh, at a bunch of different businesses and they wanted to see which businesses made the leap from like just doing okay to being sustainable and competitive over a very very long time. And what they found was that, or what he says in the book is that when you look at a good to great transformation, there's no single defining action, there's no grand program, there's no single killer innovation, there's no solitary lucky break there's no miracle moment it's all about the process of accumulation and so what you accumulate matters one of my favorite quotes from the book comes from a guy called todd henry um so and i mentioned this in the manual as well he wrote a book called die empty and the quote says i, I still remember this to this day you know it, it's like seared into my mind it says Oh, by the way, I, I did a talk once and I, I mentioned that as well. I said, this quote has been seared into my mind. And the next moment, blank, gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mind you know, is just empty. Happens. Empty. My mind is empty. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Okay, so the quote horrible. goes, yeah, geez, that was, and I didn't have notes with me or anything for the day. So what the quote did you goes, make up a quote? What did you bring up Nelson Mandela quotes? No, it came back. I, I was like, okay, <laughs> oh, I forgot. Give me a second. <laughs> 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 so the quote goes, no one charts a course to mediocrity, yet it's a destination of choice. It's chosen ah, in small ways over time. Yes. And these tiny, seemingly inconsequential decisions accumulate mm. and eventually result in a state of crisis. Mm. It's power, hey? Oof. I used That's to use that power. years ago. Before the pod, I used sure. to use that actually in one of my talks. Wow, it's a beautiful quote, eh? That's incredible. Mm. So, so we realize that everything is about accretion. Everything mm. is about the process of accumulation. And it's this process mm. of accumulation that will give you the transformation. But focusing on the accumulation gives you a bit of peace of mind because you realize that if I can just go through the day accumulating good things, then over time, I'll get to the point where my transformation is also good, right? And 
but it's, it's quite key to understand that accretion has no bias to what you were saying earlier, yes. that it doesn't yes. care about what you feed into the process because, and in the talk I actually had Ingvar Kamprad, who is the founder of Ikea and Pablo Escobar. Right, right. And you look at them and they both accomplished big feats, right? Yeah. Even Pablo. I mean, at some point he was on, I think on the Forbes top yes. 10 richest yeah. in the world, yeah. right? And, uh, and was probably comfort, in cash. Responsible for the, empire the only one is, in cash. In, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in in, only one in a cash. solid cash, yeah. And, and I mean, you, you look at the documentary and they had literally had to go and bury cash in, yeah, in the fields because he had yeah. so much of it. Yeah. Still can't find it. Yeah. So, but anyway, so what it shows you is that accretion has a bias. It doesn't care what you feed into the process. It'll just give it back to you. So mm. you feed into it uh, negative actions, destructive behaviors, it accumulates all of that and it leads you to mm. disaster, to mm. catastrophe. Mm. Uh, Ingvar Kamp, uh, Pablo Escobar starts off um, stealing graves, uh, gravestones, uh, tombstones, and then selling them off. Then he moves into drugs. Then he becomes the He's quality guy. Quality to cocaine. Guy. This, that's a, that's a guy you want to take home and introduce cocaine. to your parents. Yeah. You know? <laughs> tombstones. I mean, could you go lower? <laughs> <laughs> Well, so look, process I think, of accretion, yeah. just yeah. in the wrong direction. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> not, not according to him, according to, according to the world. Not according to uh, him. Yeah. And not according to the millions of people that use and, this cocaine in America. So, um, <laughs> look, wh one of the things I want to comment on this is, is, you know, we live in the economy of focus. And the economy of focus is about where you put your focus is what you put energy into. And most people are focused into their past and into the present, not into what they want to create in the future. This is a Dr. Joe quote. It says, are you living a life based on the memories of your past? Or are you living a life based on the vision of your future? And when your accretion mm. on a daily basis is fragile and not well-trained and unfit, you're focused on past negativity, uh, the critical voice in your head, and you seem to be on a treadmill going nowhere. And it's because your focus is on the past and on the now, not on the possible future. And, you know, agile optimism agility and optimism on your behavior towards where you're going rather than where you've come from is an unbelievable skill that is you need to practice on a daily moment by moment mm. because you know as much as you and i talk about it we get caught up in going down a, a stream sure. of, of of accretion towards the negative and towards the past so i love mm. your first point and just to close off this point you know in uh, in costa rica and in mexico I met a lot of American friends and, you know, they say a few different words differently to us and they love our accent and I love their accent. But one of the words they use is process, not process, but process. Mm. And I, it, yeah. it, came to, it came to really realize that patience and the understanding that life is a process and every aspect that we are doing, every project we're involved in, the podcast we're working on, our own brands, businesses, whatever, relationships, it's a process. And we get, we get despondent because we want things done quicker. And we then go into negativity mm. because they haven't happened quick enough. And I think the elegance of the process of accretion is by far so important. That's why I think it's number one for you. It's because this is really by far one of the most important things. And every time I get caught up being impatient, I have a joke with myself. John, it's a process. Just remember, it's a process. Mm. You're going through the bits, bits by bit, bit by bit. So thank you. First one, 
point taken, accretion. We're going to go sell cocaine now, like narcos, in a process of accretion. Is that the point you were making? <laughs> Is that what you said? Let's go. Exactly Let's the see. point. Exactly. I'm, I'm glad you took that away <laughs> yeah. from the manual. Did you? There's an asterisk here on your manual. Co- co- cocaine from Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So number two is that we have to change for today and not for tomorrow. So when we try to get people to change, which already is like a, a, a tricky thing to do because we can't really get people to change, but when we try to get people to change, what we often resort to is we try and talk to them about the future. And we try and say, you have to be very careful because if you don't reskill today, you're going to be irrelevant tomorrow. If you don't get like the hang of chat GPT, then you're going to be without a job. And so what we do is we try and use fear as a motivator saying like, listen, at some point in the future, things are going to fall apart. You better change. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. There was a study that was done. And I mean, apart from my own practical experience of seeing this, there was a study done where they, uh, they took a bunch of at risk heart patients. So patients who were at risk of having a heart attack and they were high risk. And they said to them, listen, obviously we can all see where this is heading but let's intervene. So we know what the outcome of this is going to be if you don't change. Here's how to change. Uh, so diet, exercise. Um, here's why you should change. Apart from the fact that you're like, this is not going to end well for you. It's also not going to end well for your family and your friends and the people that love you and care about you. So these people had everything that they needed to change. There was nothing lacking. Yet when they followed up a few months later and they looked at who actually changed, they found that one in seven people changed. Ah, wow. One in seven. Yeah. That means 14% of those people changed. Wow. And it's, it's crazy to think about that because mm. what more could they have done for them? What more did they need? They had absolute clarity on what to do. They had all the urgency in the world. I mean, you couldn't have higher stakes in your own life. And yet they didn't change. Yeah. And so we think that like saying to people, oh, you're going to be irrelevant in, in your corporate life or you're not going to be without a job, that that's going to get them to change? Definitely yeah. not. Yeah. And so what, what we realized though is that we have a choice, all of us. And that choice is you can either change or you will be changed. And waiting for catastrophe is not the best game plan. But that's what we do is we know we should do something today but it's easier not to, but you will do it the day that catastrophe strikes, the day that the heart attack lands, the day that you are without a job, that's when you start doing something. But we don't need to wait for that. All we need to do is we need to get people moving. So I think we can worry less about the motivation. That's actually what this is about. And more about the practice of change. And the way that I approach it in the book is actually just saying, I didn't even mention this explicitly in the book, but I said, um, what we should do is, get people to start improving their average day. And so when I say average day, I just mean we all have a very typical routine type of day. You know, like most of our days look quite similar. But what if you could just start slowly but surely through the process of accretion again, improving something about your day. So every day, like there's just like a a little bit of change that you're getting into. And maybe it is uh, the way that you're training. Maybe it's like engaging with new AI tools. Maybe... Who knows? It's trying something new in your day. And what you're doing in that process then is that you're slowly but surely just elevating what your average day looks like. And if your average day is 50% better next year than it is today, then guess what's going to happen to your life? 
you know, there's going to be a major improvement. But the thing is, what's actually happening is that we're focusing on improve your extra, your average day, but the underlying premise and principle is you are practicing change. That's actually what's happening. And by you practicing change, when change comes, you are good at changing. So it's a very sneaky way of kind of introducing this idea that I'm just always in the process. I'm just always changing. I'm just always practicing change. And therefore, whenever something big and new comes around, it doesn't scare me because I'm just going to practice change in that area of my life as well. What do you think about that? <laughs> I love it. I, I, it's, it's so simple. It's, it's, it's bringing in a new habit into your life that says every little day, every day, I'll do a little bit. That's all. And it's mm. almost like, you know, I have, mm. this, I, have this, um, I have this rule. At airports, I never take electrical transportation. I always walk. No escalator, no, no um, lift. I always, if there's stairs, I'm staring. And, and uh, it's, it's at little bits of every day's of movement. It's uh, listening to a podcast, is uh, meditating a little bit, eating a green juice, just drinking a green juice. It's like, there's little bits that you're doing every day that add up to becoming healthier and aging slower mm. and having a more optimistic viewpoint. And as leaders, it's almost like every day putting in 10 or 20 minutes into your diary that give you the time to think about next, listen to something that's about next. And I think bringing that ritual and habit into organizations and into teams starting meetings in a specific way, uh, ending meetings in a specific way, prioritizing discussion points that are more about preparation and change, start to change everything. And so it's such a simple, mm. I love, you know, the, the term is practice change, which is what I got from you is mm. what a wonderful idea. It's just practice change. Don't practice getting stuck. Don't practice staying focused on the past or just asking questions about your quarterly profits, which is all very important. But Practice the practice of change. Think mm. about how you think. So fantastic. Love it. And, and, and doesn't that just set you free? Because, you know, now if we say go and play but with open AI, ChatGPT, it's not about creating an outcome with ChatGPT. Yeah. We're not asking you to be the best at it. Yeah. We're just saying practice the change yeah. of engaging with a yeah. tool like that. Become familiar. Just you become can't familiar. fail practicing. Yeah. yeah, you can't fail It's just trying. Yeah, well said. Well said. You know? All right. So that's number two. Number three was called the spirit of discipline. So I'm involved in a ton of offsites. And especially last year, I was working with teams uh, almost exclusively. Like I, I scaled down my coaching practice a lot. Uh, most of the work that I was doing was centered around offsites, facilitations, workshops. And what I often found was that we would create the most co-create the most incredible ideas and solutions in the workshops that never got implemented. Yeah. And I thought about it quite a bit, you know, because it's, it's a bit frustrating. Like it's frustrating for everyone involved when as the facilitator, you're like, cool, we've just had this amazing session and then nothing happens. Yeah. As the leader, you're like, I just spent this ton of money and nothing happened. And as a team, you're like, we just sat in the session again and nothing happened. Like, so it gets frustrating for everyone involved. And I thought, like, is there something that we're doing in the session that, that may be lacking? Maybe because that's where we have to start. And I thought, well, actually, I feel like most of the sessions, we come out with everything we need to change. We have the clarity that is needed. We have the urgency that is needed. 
we know what to do, we know how to do it, and we have the skill to do it. So actually, there's no, there's no reason that it shouldn't happen. There's nothing that is still missing from that equation for me, but yet it still doesn't happen. And so I started thinking, I think a big part of this is actually that when we get out of the session, we lack the discipline to do new things. That we, it's easy to commit to it, but once the, we hit reality, we don't have the discipline to say, okay, I'm going to stick to this commitment. I'm going to do it every single day. And then when I was thinking about discipline, I realized actually we don't have a good way of talking about discipline because the typical way we talk about it is you either have discipline or you don't have it. You're, you know, you, you do the thing or you don't do the thing. But it's not quite that simple because there are actually varying degrees, not many, but there are varying degrees that some things require a bit more discipline, some require less discipline. In some areas of your life, you'll exhibit more discipline, other areas less. So I created a little scale in the book. And I think the scale is useful because it gives you a bit of a benchmark for where you're at. And it helps you think about what do I need to do to go and move up this ladder or move up this scale to become more disciplined. So that it's not just a binary thing. So there's actually a bit of nuance to it. So at level zero of this, uh, this scale, you have no discipline. You're obviously. a muppet. Like it's, it's a, You're a muppet. It's, yeah, it's the You're typical sort of offside scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we commit to the thing and nothing happens. Nothing it's the happens. typical news resolutions. Like I make the commitment and nothing happens past that. So and I'm eating an chocolate cake on the second. Yeah. On the second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's level zero. Level one is that you have some discipline. So now you go, well, okay, I said I'm going to train three times a week. I'm not getting to three times a week, but I'm at least getting to once a week. Like it's sporadic, mm -hmm. it's whatever, but at least there's something happening. There's some movement. It's not, you know, it's one piece of chocolate cake a week, not every single day. Like there's something, there's some mm. movement that's occurring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, if, if we put it in the context of a team, for example, and we use, uh, so, you know, I've used um, I Do Art, which is one of the plays in the playbook for creating better meetings. It's a, it's a framework for using meetings. You should be mm. doing that every single meeting. If you're doing that two or three meetings a week, then that would put you into the, the realm of like some discipline. So like mm. you're a level one. At level two, you go from some discipline to discipline. So now you are consistently hitting the target that you set for yourself. So if you said, I'm going to the gym three times a week, you're going three times a week. If you are in 10 meetings a week, you are doing 10 meetings a week of uh, I do art. So whatever you set the goal, you are achieving that all the time. The one level up from that is then level three. And level three is you are doing the things even when conditions are unfavorable. Mm. Because very often we discipline when things are going well, but the moment there's like mm. something that isn't planned or something that isn't part of our day-to-day, -day, things start falling apart again. And the moment they fall apart, they tend to continue falling apart. And so what you want is you want to be anti-fragile enough that whenever things start going in the wrong direction and like all of a sudden, you know, there's traffic every day on your way to the gym and there's load shedding and there's this and there's that, that you continue doing the same thing. So mm. that would be level three discipline. Like that, that is when you know that you've Except really if it's windy, it's become, when it's windy in Cape Town and you have to go for a cycle. I hate that. Well, no, then I'm yes, losing. But, Consistency number three, but you, I am out of a cycle when it's rainy. I mean, when it's... Uh, well, you should then be going to your indoor one because that's what anti-fragile means, is oh, that there's an alternative path, oh, right? Yes. Damn it. So there's a different way of accomplishing okay, the good. same thing. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So okay. what I like about this model is it gives us a bit of a language. So 
whenever you're trying to change, you can ask yourself, at what level of discipline am I currently uh, at in terms of making this change? Mm. And then it also tells you, well, what do you need? So if you're at level zero, to get from level zero to level one means I just need movement. I just need to start focusing on the small thing. So, okay, cool. I can't get to three times a week. Can I get to once a week? So mm. you, you narrow the focus. You make, it, you make the goal small, smaller. To go from a level one to a level two, what you need is consistency. You need to get to the um, same number, the same uh, amount week after week. And then to go from level two to level three, you need more preparation. You need mm. to think it through more and think about if I can't get to X, then how will I substitute that with Y? Damn it. So, I missed that one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my small sort of model of discipline, which I think is just a useful way of, for us having a conversation, even if we as a team, actually, that's the main reason I created is that when we get together as a team and we've committed to a new way of behavior, we can quickly sit around a table and say, at what level of discipline are you at? And we can know, okay, you're a one, you're a two, you're a three, you're a zero. Okay, what can we do to move you from a zero to a one? And we can just ha start having that conversation um, in a different kind of way. I love it because that means we're at a very high level of consistency with this podcast. I carry my three kilo mic sure. with me around the world. That is serious <laughs> commitment and consistency at number four and a Sunday morning of recording. Jeez, we're winning here. I love that. Look, I think I'll say I'll say we were yeah. at a level three recording and a level yeah. zero marketing. <laughs> fair, fair. Thank you very much for that. Yes, that's fine. Yes, that's what we're discussing. Um, yes. I, 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 you know, I was at the, the gathering of the largest. Ga I was at the largest gathering of futurists at the Museum of the Future, and the number one uh, complaint that every speaker and every workshop person had was lack of uh, discipline in execution of the plan. And I think what you've said is fantastic. But again, look, I'm a student of neuroscience and it comes down to neuroscience is that people are wired in a way that gets them to be worried and gets them to be stressed and in survival mode. And what happens that all that kind of takes over, even though they have the discipline, they are drained of energy by the end of the day and the discipline and motivation, the energy has gone. So as much as they know they need to do it, They've also got to think about the neuroscience of how they're managing their anxiousness and moving it from a place of anxiousness to excitement in a process of changing your brainwaves and neuroscience focus. And so this becomes a lot easier when you're able to understand how your brain matter is working and being able to manage it and getting into a fit place. And then consistency becomes a lot easier because why? For a very simple reason is you have more energy to do so. And when you're not mm. wasting 70% of your energy stressing and being worried and being addicted to the survival mode or the worst outcome possible. So yes, I, I think your points are excellent. I think I'll just add another layer to it of saying, look, mm. if you don't have that mindfulness, if you don't have that practice mm -hmm. of meditation of calming your heart and bringing clarity to your mind, you just don't have the energy for discipline, you know? So it becomes a very big part of it. But yeah, very good. Love it. I love your uh, layers. You know, also another thing is language is so important. You know, it gives us such a wonderful way to anchor the way we think and what we think about and, and determine the questions that we're aiming at. And, you know, just offline, we were talking about uh, being exposed to all these American speakers and podcast co-hosts and 
you've been sending me podcasts, podcasts, podcasts about podcasts. I mean, that's where we are in this world today. And so we've been breaking these down and just, you know, the language they give you, the structure they give you just really changes everything around mm. what you're aiming at. So I love it. Uh, level zero on marketing, level three on consistency. We have some work to do, Eric. Let's get to number four. We do. Cool. Yes. So the last one is around creating the conditions for change. So I've always, I've always loved the idea that the environment influences the extent to which we get to change. Mm. But when I was doing quite a bit of research on, on teamwork and I've been looking at all the different team models, obviously I want to know as many of them as possible because the more team effectiveness models you have, the more you can kind of see the patterns and which ones work, which ones don't work. But the sort of grandfather of, of teamwork models uh, or, the, or teamwork research is a guy called Richard Hackman. And he wrote, uh, like he, was, he wrote one of the most defining papers around teamwork. And he spoke about this idea of enabling conditions that we need to have. That as a leader, you can't directly change the behaviors of your people, but you can create the conditions that will allow them to change. And it seems like we often forget that, you know, that we, we focus on the people and we don't think about the environment around us. And a very easy example of this is we all know about this idea of psychological safety that it means people are willing to speak up, that they are willing to bring their ideas to the table without the fear of being ostracized from the group. So psychological safety has become this big thing over the past few years. But very often I'll hear leaders say, we want psychological safety, like that's what we're creating here. But then the moment someone speaks up, so, like, so they're encouraging people to speak up, but the moment someone speaks up and someone shoots it down, like there's no real conversation around what just happened. We just allow that. And so... What that means is we're saying one thing that we want this thing to occur, but the conditions in which that behavior occurs kills it. Mm. So there's a, a quote that goes, a good system, uh, a good person will always be beaten by a bad system. And it's that same idea, you know? So you, you can say that you want all of these um, awesome teamwork behaviors, but if the environment doesn't support it, those behaviors get killed. We can say that we want to have an, like a, a culture of feedback, but if people start giving feedback and we, we aren't taking it well and there's a lot of complaints that happen and we just leave it by the spy, like we're not creating the environment that sustains feedback. So it's important for us to think about what are the conditions that we need to set in place for change to happen. When I was running Think Week in like also in the pandemic 2020, one of the sessions that I ran was all around preconditions. And a precondition is the same as a, as a condition. It's just saying, what are the things that need to be in place for us to change? So it's not just about the change, right? Because when we say we want to change, that's typically what we do is we just jump straight into it. We don't ask ourselves, what are the things that surround the change that I need to pay attention to that's going to facilitate mm. the change? Mm, so mm, mm. if you, I, I keep coming back to this because it's an easy example for people to understand. But if you say you are going to start training, then the impulse is to say, okay, cool, tomorrow I'm at the gym, I'm training. That is the change that I want to see. But there are so many things mm. that surround that change. For example, um, how will you get to the gym? Like, you know, what, what's going to happen when, mm. when there's peak hour or whatever? What will you do when you get to the gym? Do you have the clarity that you need? Um, are you going to injure mm. yourself? And then you're going to be out for weeks and weeks and then like you're not going to get back to it again. So you need to think about mm. all these things that surround the change that's going to help you facilitate it. There mm. are... A few different ones. I'm going to take you through all of this. Obviously, a precondition for many people is something like catastrophe. Like we wait for catastrophe to happen. And then when that happens, that becomes the condition for change. 
But we can also think about other ones that are a bit more positive. Things like accountability, like clarity, like vision. Those things do help us to change and they help different people at different times. So you might be someone who needs extreme clarity. Like you want to know exactly what it looks like in terms of what needs to happen, when does it need to happen, how does it happen. And when you have that, it makes it easier for you to change. You might be someone who needs accountability, meaning that you're going to change when someone else is by your side saying, cool, I'm watching you. I want to make sure that you do the thing that you said you're going to do. And I remember when I was, I think by 2011 or 2012, was when I really got into my personal development journey. And it was actually with a friend that we're going to have on the podcast, Madness. We, we started getting into this thing together, like this journey of, of trying to be better every single day. And one of the things we did was the Robin Sharma 5 a.m. club. So we would wake up 5 o'clock in the morning that. and then yeah. go to train. Um, and, the, and at that point, you know, I was not a morning person at all. Like if you ask me, you know, do you identify as a morning person? My answer was definitely yeah. no. I would wake up yeah. at like 8 o'clock minimum and then I'd get to work. So 5 o'clock was a massive jump for me at the time. And the reason I was able to do that, and still till today, I'm, now I'm a morning person easily. I wake up in the, in the mornings at 5 o'clock without my alarm. And the reason I was able to do that was because of the accountability that I had from him. So accountability for me was an important condition for change in that moment. And so mm. this last bit of the manual then is really just to say to people, don't just think about change. Think about what you need that's going to enable you to change. And once you can identify those conditions, be it someone that's going to help you change, creating more clarity, finding more resources, then you are in a much better position to change and to ultimately win. Wonderful. I, you know, I, I, I can apply those to friendships, to fitness, to organizations, to everything. You know, all those principles are very uh, distinct human mm. principles. I love that you brought them into the workspace and in for leadership. And, you know, uh, it's so important just to go back down to basics. And you're right, you know, all of these things are so important to position yourself for success, create the environment to set you up for success. And one of the major successes mm. for me is don't have any snacks at home. Like, just don't. Like, there's no point to have any snacks at home because that's the first thing you're going to be chomping on when you're getting hungry because your sugar level's dropping. And there's so many different ranges. And I remember my mom mm. when we were, I don't know, I think I was 16 and my brother was 13. No, no, sorry, no, no. We must have been in our 20s. My mom sat us down and said, I'm so sorry, I've made you liars. And my brother and I looked at each other like, what are you talking about? She said, I, would, I wanted honesty from you, but every time you gave me honesty, I'd lose my shit. And we, mm. she forced us to become liars because we, she, wouldn't, she wasn't able to take the truth. Yeah. And this is the same thing, you know, as Great a family example. or mm. as an organization, you say this, but then when it does happen, you're like, you, you throw your lid and then, okay, well, then your values aren't in line mm. with what you want. So thank you so much for sharing that, Erica. Always enlightening. Thank you for putting all that work in. I hope it's gone far and wide and helped as many people as possible. Uh, where can people find the manual and how yeah. can they access it? Well, we'll add a link to the, uh, to the podcast. So I think that'll be easiest. Uh, but you can also just Google Eric Kruger Leadership Manual and you'll find that or Sassfin Leadership Manual and you'll find the manual there as well. Uh, just to, to close it out from my side. So the first part that we spoke about now is just to drive home this point that it's really all about change. Everything is about change. And what I'm trying to leave you with in this first part of the manual is that change isn't a big thing. In fact, it's a small thing. 
And it's a small thing that you can practice every single day. And that when you practice change, it just becomes so much easier to change, even when it's a much bigger thing that you have to deal with. Because I love that all the simplicity. Things small things. I yeah. love that simplicity. That's so. Mm. You know what that does to my whole body? It relaxes me. It relaxes you. It relaxes yes. me. Yeah, yeah. It relaxes you. That's such a wonderful thing. Mm. Love it. Love it. And so, in the in the second part of the manual, when you do pick that up, what you'll find is that there are six different tools that I that I left you with. Um, if the first part of the manual is to say, "Here's how we change," the second part of the manual is to say. Here are ways to change. And so the first thing is, how do we run our meetings? I have a specific template that I share in terms of how we can run better meetings. The second one, and these are all things that I just, I saw them in our teams last year that I worked with. And these are the things that occur all the time. And it's almost like we want a bespoke solution, but something out of the box can actually work just fine. Just like fine tune a bit for you. So the one is meetings. The second one is accountability. All teams have accountability issues. And there's a great framework called the accountability dial that I talk about in the manual. The third is around feedback. I always say if there's one thing I can teach a team to function better, if you only give me one option and one opportunity, it's going to be how to give better feedback because feedback is how we grow, how we learn from our mistakes. So, Mm. but most teams don't have a framework for this. So I share a framework Mm. around feedback as well in the manual. Number four, we spoke about, uh, psychological safety, because if you want the most out of your people, if you want to be creative, innovative, have people engaged, they need to be psychologically safe in the environment. Psychological safety doesn't mean that there's no argument or that we don't tussle. In fact, psychological safe environments mean we often have more arguments because we are more open to having these conversations. Doesn't mean we coddle people. That's a, it's an important distinction, Yes, but you have to find ways to create it. Number five, we speak about uncertainty and I speak about the OODA loop. So observe, orient, decide, and act. How do we deal with uncertainty? And then the last one is self-awareness. The last play is around self-awareness. And I I just highlight two tools that I use all the time that I know John also uses, journaling, coaching. Um, Those, I think, are some of the best tools for creating more awareness of your own internal dialogue, your own internal thinking. And like John was saying, gives you the opportunity for thinking about your thinking. So uh, thank you for, for listening and thank you for, uh, for engaging with us. I'm, I'm yeah. uh, honored to be able to share this on the podcast. I loved it. Yeah, fantastic, man. Thank you so much for doing the work. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the art of networking and mastering, mm. growing that network and your elevator pitch and how to put that together. So important to get that right. And I see so many people getting it wrong. Um, so thank you so much there, Eric. Uh, it was really great for you to share that. Uh, hope everybody goes and downloads the manual and shares it as widely as possible. Don't forget, you can book us for that webinar for ChatGPT and AI. Uh, we have already been booked for one event we're very excited about, and we got some more bubbling under. If you haven't got the recording of our webinar, please do mail us, and we will mail you straight away. Our email address is now training at theexpansive.com or hello at johnsone.com or hello, is it hello at eric.com or is it eric at eric.com? Eric at eric at eric.com. Eric, 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 Eric at dot com. Uh, <laughs> Eric at Eric Kruger dot com. Eric at Eric dot com. Damn it. I got it wrong. Thank you very yeah. much for uh, tuning in, everybody. Uh, we look forward to connecting with you again next week. If you think somebody needs to hear this podcast, please do share it with them and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We'd highly appreciate it. 
Ciao, till next time.